That was good. That was good. That's awesome. I knew you were going to do that to me. <laughs> I, I, my hands hurt. We're not on the button. Because <laughs> this stupid giant screen, I had to look way up in the corner to find the, the go live button. <laughs> it gave me away. <laughs> oh, welcome, everybody. We're, you're back on, uh, with Spilling Ink, and I'm back. Thank goodness. I really missed you guys uh, last week. But and, and I, I've made no secret of this. My health this last couple of years has not been the best. You know, I've I've been uh, dealing with covid and then I've had my own mental health struggles. And sometimes I just sometimes I just can't do it. But I'm here tonight. And uh, that's what matters. You just, you just got to do it a day at a time. Right. So right. But we're back. We're <laughs> we're excited. Uh it's been really heavy, so hopefully we're gonna we're gonna have some fun tonight and learn some stuff. We have an amazing guest, but first, now that I've done my amazing introduction, I'm gonna turn things over to the one person that actually knows what's going on here, Captain Trainwreck, Katie Salitis. That's right, and we've got to pay homage to our first sponsor of the evening, and you know we love GoIndy now. They they are the best channel out there. So let's take a word from Joe, our sponsor. Hello, everybody. I am Joe Compton, and welcome to our channel, Go Indie Now. This is the place that celebrates indie artists and indie art. And we do so by producing several shows that either air on daily, weekly, monthly, or seasonal scheduling. And within those shows, we aim to educate and entertain you if you're, if you're an indie artist who's trying to figure out how to do this, this is the place you need to be. If you're an indie artist who's looking to promote and doesn't have any avenues and, and is tired of the grind, this is the place to be. Because remember, it's always time to go indie down. Right, always time to go indie now, and we thank Joe for sponsoring our show. Uh, him and Rebecca, our other sponsor, are the reason that we are able to stream in both Facebook and YouTube at the same time live, so we can get all of your wonderful comments going as we're recording. Yeah. And I can see there's a Speaking ton of already of in the comments. comments. Yeah, most of those comments are Rebecca and Joe in the audience <laughs> making dirty jokes. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? What are you doing, guys? And then Tim, thank you. And I do want to, I do want to say before Katie um, gets us too off track last night, um, I was way ambient up. And so I sent messages to all of our little webcasting friends, asking them to send me high res copies of their logo because I wanted, I'm working on a secret project and, uh, and I've got to wait till I'm on ambient to keep working on it, of course. But the only person that didn't respond Joe Compton of Go Indie Now, the big dog. And I'm like, Joe, what the heck? So I had to go steal one from his Facebook page. But anyway, I just wanted to call him out there real quick. Wow. <sighs> yeah. All right, then. Why don't we switch gears then and we'll talk about our guest this week. We've got a wonderful guest to introduce to all of our audience out there. Davina, tell us about yourself and your books. Well, uh, my name is Davina Katolsky, and I'm a psychologist and a life coach in the Los Angeles area. Uh, also an author of um, self-help books and some uh, some fiction as well. 
And uh, yeah, my newest book is called The Mana Paradigm Shift. And it's a combination of cutting edge psychology and ancient spiritual traditions. Um, and it, it takes a, an old concept of the notion of mana from heaven and applies it to basically what we're going through right now, which is um, how to uh, get through each day expecting the best and creating a mindset that helps you um, deal with the stressors, um, deal with the challenges that we're having and trust that the universe is gonna provide for you what you need day by day, moment by moment, and that your job is to just stay stay present, open and available and to not um, give your power away to outside sources, pharaohs, whether they be politicians or corporations or the almighty dollar, um, you know, old systems that that don't work, that actually shackle us, and including negative thoughts that keep us shackled to limited thinking. Does that oh. um, does that tie into like the the law of attraction as well, and in, in the way that you you have to think in the moment about what you actually need instead of thinking of what you want? You know? um, I, definitely, I love the law of attraction, but it it's also works with notions of, you know, if you're familiar with like cognitive behavioral therapy, a lot of times we limit ourselves by our thoughts and the thoughts that we think. So um, we can get caught up in a, a whole bunch of thinking errors, personalization, uh, all or nothing thinking, stuff like that. And so it's looking at those thoughts, but it's also in terms of the law of attraction, it also uh, looks at how um, you know, I'm going to use new age California terms like vibration and frequency that uh, that we can shift our vibrational frequency. We can shift um, how we feel and what we focus on based on gratitude. So it, it's bringing in law of attraction, but it's also bringing in, you know, concepts like metaphysics, but also bringing in uh, psychology that that when we focus on the negative, we create confirmation bias and uh, negative attribution, things like that. Um, and so there are uh, specific practices that we can do to stay positive and, um, if you will, attract better things into our lives and be more aware of when those good things are showing up. Well, can you... Oh, go, no, go, go ahead, ahead Jay. Go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, and you you mentioned a paradigm shift. You know, it's, it's you know part of the title there. Mm -hmm. Could you could you tell us what you mean when you say paradigm shift? Because some people might might not know what you're referring to or, or what the word paradigm means. Yeah, so paradigm is kind of an old system or, or a system, a way of doing things, and a shift is to start uh, to to just the paradigm shift is to um, begin living your life in a different way. And we've been taught to work hard um, and to hoard, right? Like sort of the Western capitalistic, uh, uh, I think Marion Williamson called it rugged narcissistic approach um, to life that, that we've been living is actually really hurting us. This, th these Western values that run, let's say the United States, for example, are very detrimental to our, our well-being. Um, what that what they do is they they keep us focused on getting more and more, working harder and harder. And Americans work harder than many other countries, right? We take less vacation days. Um, we work longer hours than other countries, and um, we 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 have this belief that you have to to suffer and that you have to um, you know keep on this uh, hamster wheel, so to speak, and. 
you look at other countries or you look at other cultures and other countries, like let's say Italy and France has a notion of far niente, which is you just, you know, you're doing nothing. You're just being present. You're being a human being and not a human doing. You look at indigenous culture and there's a value of all of life and don't take more than you need. Right. And in the notion of the mana paradigm shift, the Hebrews were enslaved in Egypt. And I know this is a little bit verbose, but the Hebrews were enslaved in Egypt and they had everything that they needed, but they were slaves. And Moses, God spoke to Moses and said, you know, free my people. And they left, they left Egypt. But when they left and they got into the desert, they looked around. They're like, well, what are we going to eat, Moses? You know, God's, you, you've, we followed you out here because you spoke to God. But now, you know, at least back in when we were slaves, at least we had flesh pots to warm ourselves by. And we had the food that Pharaoh gave us. Now we're out here with nothing. And so God heard their cries and gave them manna, which was the, their spiritual it wasn't, you know, it's the notion of bread, but it's also spiritual substance or spiritual sustenance that helps them get what they need just that one day at a time. And it would rot by the next day. So you couldn't hoard it. You couldn't give yours away. You got just what you needed. And so that, again, is more in alignment with maybe indigenous values that already exist. And so I'm inviting people to make this paradigm shift and to go back to that kind of thinking where don't give your power away to outside sources. Trust that what you need will show up day by day. Um, don't hoard. Don't take what doesn't belong to you. You know, have you ever seen those pictures of the the um, cowboys with the skulls of the buffalo and they're standing mm. in front of piles and piles of buffalo skulls? Oh, they horrible. Need, right? They took more than what they needed and that's what's destroying our planet. Okay. So that's well, the Okay. No, and that, that makes sense. Thank you so much for ex explaining that. I, I think that's that's really helpful um, for, for everyone to to have that knowledge. Um, you know, and I think that it's it's something that I've I've personally spoken to my my own therapist about. You know, you guys are used to having too much information for me anyway. Um, but this, you know, perceived value in what we put value on, and how many times people, including myself, um, have a hard time assigning any value um you know if i'm if i'm say off work for a year because of my mental health or my physical health mm -hmm. then you know my my personal sense of worth starts to go down even though it really shouldn't i'm still the same jay you know i yeah. i haven't changed at all but you know i i think that really is a, a major um you know problem especially here in the west uh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And I've said it before too, like in my family, your worth is tied to your net worth, yeah. Yeah. not to what you provide or, or who you are. It's tied to how much is in your bank account. Which exactly. exactly. And that shouldn't be that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we should be able to just be people, but but then I think because my my brain is is so worried and anxious all the time, I think well, you know how. <laughs> You know, what if I'm just not concerned at all about this and then all of a sudden I'm, you know, living on the streets and I, I'll, I'll go to ex extremes like that. So I haven't in 41 years I haven't been able to figure out a good balance. So I'm, I'm still hoping that's in store for me for the future. And maybe well, something like your work you know, would be would be beneficial. That ties to social pressure, too, because if you look at and I know we don't tend to go too deep on political issues, but um, when you look at 
arguments over changes in systems of help, you know, social aid and things like that. When you look at like the comments section, when they're being talked about, there's a lot of um, bias towards people who need help being lazy or not wanting to do things and they shouldn't deserve these things instead of what the program is trying to do to help people so that they can better themselves and do more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think it's important to um, it's important to give your gifts. It's important to contribute, um, but we're not machines. And I think that's sort of the direction it goes in: is that there's an expectation that you work harder and longer and more, and then there's a fear that you don't want to make a change because if you make a change, again, you could end up homeless. There's there's all of these fears, so we um, we compete more, we cooperate less. And we, we have that lifestyle of we live to work instead of working to live. Exactly. Well, some of us do. <laughs> <laughs> my work funds my life. <laughs> you know, it, it's not my, I mean, I have friends there, but it's not my social interaction circle. And it hasn't, I don't, I don't know if it's ever been since, you know, I, you know, I don't know, um, maybe high school. <laughs> But it's just like, okay, the money funds my life, funds my, you know, the things I want to do. And I, I don't know. And you guys know I work like a dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do. But so that's your investment, right? That's so you're working to yeah. invest in something that's important to you. Yeah. And, and you yeah. know, now I'm close, I'm very close to retirement age. So it's uh -huh. like, okay, we have a goal that will get us through retirement, you know. In, in the manner which we're accustomed to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, <laughs> we're almost there, <laughs> which is really good because we have never, we, we've never had the finest cars. We've never, we haven't been, I guess in today's day and age, there's a lot of um, visible, um, oh my God, what's the word? I'm missing it. Um, not capitalism, but but you know, I have the best car. I have the newest car. I have this. I have that. You know, we we run our cars into the ground because it's economical. It makes sense. It's not a competition to go up, <laughs> up and up and up. Um, you know, whereas some you know, we see it a lot around us that you know, oh, every every other year, you know, somebody's got the newest car, the newest phone, the newest this or the newest that it's like they're competing that kind of materialism yeah materialistic thank you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> not working quite as <laughs> quite as well as i'd like it to um but yeah yeah uh, so, yeah that's a great phrase timothy yeah, yeah. The, keeping up with the joneses mentality well they have that i need to have that no, you don't necessarily have to, no, you no. know, like you said about the car. I, I do the same thing. I mm -hmm. drive my car until the wheels fall off mm -hmm. and then I go get a used car mm -hmm. because I know the minute you buy a new car, the second you drive it off the lot, it's lost half its value anyways. So. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and quick, quick sidebar, Timothy, uh, you know, said the phrase, uh, phrase, uh, conspicuous consumption, mm -hmm. which is a great phrase. And I actually learned about it not that long ago from, uh, watching a show about the Mayan empire. And how they they attribute that to the fall of the the Mayans, where they they actually cleared clear cut so much land in order to 
um, build their cities that they mm -hmm. they could no longer farm on the on the land. <laughs> the land was useless, and so the whole mm -hmm. civilization crumbled. But uh, anyhow, I was it's, yeah. It's finding it's finding the balance. So so that you know that's great that you um, you you're using what you have. You're you're not being overrun by this materialism. And again, I think it's it's not that people don't have to work hard. If you're passionate about something, mm -hmm. I mean, I'll stay up late. If I'm writing on something, I will stay up late. I'll get up at, you know, two in the morning. Oh, I really want to focus on this. But if you're doing that because you're afraid and, and you're motivated from fear, then that's feeding the wrong wolf, so to speak. Right. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's and it's giving your power away to again to outside sources and it's giving your power away to fear. So doing something from passion or love is great. Going after what you want from a place of love is fantastic. A lot of people won't pursue their dreams because they're afraid. They're afraid what will happen if I pursue my dreams. If if I uh, make a change, if I leave this job that I'm being oppressed mm -hmm. in, or if I leave a bad relationship. Uh, what's going to happen? I won't have the same financial stability. And so the man of paradigm shift really is about trusting that life is going to support you. You do what you need to do and you do your part and the, the universe is going to meet you and, and get you through it. It might mean that it, it's, it's not this like notion that um, you're going to have every single thing you want. You might be living, you might be living in your mom's basement, but for a period of time before something else happens, but maybe that's the best place for you <laughs> in reason or whatever. Interesting. That makes no, a I, lot of sense too. I mean, it, we are driven mad sometimes by our fear of failure mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. how bad it can possibly get. And that drives people to do just like that. Stay in a job that they hate. Stay in a relationship that they know is toxic because yeah. they feel like they have no escape. Well, and I know that those are my, my two biggest fears because I, again, my therapist, we've talked about this. Um, you know, number one is is loneliness, you know, being being alone. And number two is failure. And, um, you know, the loneliness, I, I think, is valid. I don't want to be alone. But the failure thing, that's something that uh, it was built in with our society. Um, but but I actually have a, a writing question, you know, being, you know, since this is kind of a writing and publishing show. Katie, I know you like to take it off track, but... Um, <laughs> You know, I guess you know, we'll the, allow it this time. <laughs> you know, the the three of us write uh, frivolous uh, fiction that's just meant to entertain people and you know let people escape. And I know you have a novel as well, but you know your your other books are actually have real substance and they're they're meant to help people. Can you tell me a little bit about the kind of the thought process and and the responsibility that goes into that because it. It seems like it would be a little frightening to me writing something that might have a big impact on someone else's life, you know, aside from entertainment. Um, well, so I think I briefly mentioned to you that well, off the air that my first book was called Why You Should Give a Damn About Gay Marriage. And it was to help um, empower LGBT people to be able to speak up for why they needed equal rights and to help um, non-LGBTQ people understand why why it mattered, right? Um, and what I found with that book was that, yeah, books can empower people. They can help people advocate for themselves. They can help people feel uh, like they can get out there and change the world. And so after writing that, I wanted to write books to help people change themselves because I think the personal is political. Um, and that when we can 
um, improve ourselves and take back our own power, we can we can shift the outer landscape. Um, I, my first uh, self-help book was called It's Never Too Late to Be Yourself, Follow Your Inner Compass and Take Back Your Life. And I found that it really resonated with a lot of people who are in quarter life or midlife crises, right, or transitions to, um, to, to take those shifts and to leave, like we just talked about, leave those, those relationships that were toxic, leave uh, jobs that were no longer satisfying, um, retire early and take the trips that they had been wanting to, to take, uh, but they'd been putting off for so long. And um, I don't know, it, it feels good to write those books. It feels good to sort of write a book that's like a therapist or life coach, you know, in a book. Um, cause not everybody can afford therapy, but they can, many people can afford a book and to just support them into, in living their best lives. I mean, I think that when people are happier, all of us are happier. You know, if one person improves their life and, and is living, you know, from their heart and happier in the world, then, then it just impacts all of us. So that's sort of the gift that I want to give back, I guess. Um, and I encourage people to take risks in a way that they can handle. So don't, you know, jump without the net if, if you're not ready for that. Take smaller baby steps. You can baby step your way into radical transformation in your life, but you don't have to jump off the bridge without a net. Okay. Well, now in, you know, I, I know with, with us uh, just writing fiction, you know, we'll, we'll get, you know, emails or reviews and they'll say things like, you know, your book kept me up all night or I absolutely love this character or, you mm -hmm. know, I'm shipping these two characters together, which I just learned what that meant uh, not that long ago. But um, in, in those always, those always feel great. But, you know, do you, do you ever get responses like that where people write you and say, you know, your, your book really helped me kind of thing? Yeah, it's and it's wonderful to get those kinds of emails um, or to uh, run into people on the street that have recognized me or whatever, have read a book. Um, yeah, I do. I mean, I remember one person uh, came up to me and said, you know, I, I read your book. I gave it to my dad and um, he finally understood me as, a, as an LGBTQ person and why, you know, I wanted to marry the person that I loved. Um, I've had uh, people contact me and and say, you know, I, I read your book and I was able to quit my job. Um, the people have, have started their own businesses after uh, reading my book. Um, and uh, and and just, I felt better. I read your book. I felt better. I start, started these practices. I was able to begin meditating. I was able to, you know, address some of these thoughts that I had that have been holding me back. And um, I, mean, I think that's, that's the best thing in the world, right? When you write something and people say either I loved your characters, right? I, they really spoke to me or I related to them um, or they can share with you with self-help. Like, you know, this got me through the dark night of a, the soul I was going through and helped me get my life back on track. God, that's amazing. And that's like, that's like my, my dream is just to, to do or say or write something that changed somebody's life for the better. I mean, my, my ultimate dream is to be eaten by a great white shark after saving someone else from the shark attack. But, you know, so I've got that kind of complex going on, but no, that is just, that's just phenomenal. That, that makes me so, so happy to hear. And you do, you do public speaking and you do, uh, you do courses online as well, right? Yeah, I do. Um, I have a, the mana paradigm shift um, eight week class that, that uh, we'll be finishing up at the end of, 
uh, March, but I'll be starting the, uh, the 30-day MANA Challenge, which will start April 1st. And um, people can participate. They'll get an email every day and we'll have some live classes as well. Uh, and so I offer that. And I'll since the book came up, I'm going to do that a couple of times a year. Um, and I also just, yeah, I do online workshops. Um, on a side note, I also am a past life regressionist. I train with Brian Weiss, uh, Many Masters, Many Lives. If you've ever read his work, it's fantastic. He was a psychiatrist that um, was doing, did hypnosis in his practice. And one of his clients went back beyond uh, a childhood trauma to a past life trauma. Uh, and, oh, and, then, yeah. and then he had a whole coming out process because to come out in psychiatry as a past life, you know, to, to share this, he was afraid he was going to lose his career. It was in the right. early nineties or late eighties. Anyhow, I trained with him um, about seven years ago and I also do past life regression work with people. So um, that's amazing too. And that, that's in a whole other subject, but um, yeah, I mean, I really love to support people and digging deep spiritually and, um, and, and not, not being afraid to take risks in this lifetime and dealing with death, anxiety, just, just the whole, all of it. I mean, I, I think that, again, we're here to live our best life and whatever that gets in our way from sharing our gifts and talents and following our hearts and, you know, um, supporting one another. Uh, that That's what I'm here to do. That's my passion. Yeah. Well, and to all of you out there that are watching or listening, I just want to want you to know right now that I've already called this. I am going to be writing the past life regression therapy, creepy paranormal story. You guys don't get it. That's that's I'm taking it. That's awesome. <laughs> I know you're all writing it down in your little notebooks. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That is such a fascinating the the whole idea of being able to re revisit past lives and and maybe see what's what's kind of tying to this life and and stopping you because we we do we have these unexpected um, blocks, things that we can't get over. And and it may not be something that happened during our life or that we can remember happening during our life that stopped it. So that that's just such a fascinating topic. I, I could probably pick your brain on that one for hours, but another show, another show. I won't, <laughs> I won't walk this show up with that. What now, happened while I was gone with COVID? When did we get so professional? What the hell? What? <laughs> We were professional last week. We were. We were, we were very professional. Oh, my God. God. We were showing, Have you guys seen we that? We were showing our disaster covers. <laughs> we were having a good time. Well, so I do have a question, though, that pertains to this book, so we can stay on topic. I'm trying to stay on topic this time. <laughs> so when it, when it comes to... <laughs> Go ahead, Katie. <laughs> okay. All right. So when it comes to this one, the, the program that you've got. And yeah. Jay. <laughs> oh, that's great. That is so cool, Katie. You're doing so good. So good. <laughs> All right. So back yeah. to the question. So in the program that you've set up, obviously there are steps to take in order to get yourself on the right track. Yeah. What is the biggest roadblock that you find people have to actually really taking this on and really fo following it all the way to the end? Um, consistency. 
we all have really good intentions and um and it it's getting it's 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 consistently doing the practices so we all know you know meditation is good for us but we have to schedule it if we don't schedule it we're not going to do it right um there are several you know steps to create what i call a mana mindset or to do the 30 day mana challenge and um and that and that's why i wanted to create a 30 day mana challenge uh class to help people take the steps every day um, because we need to, we need that support. We need to be consistent. We need structure, just like writing, right? Like, you know, you're going to write more if you have a consistent structure. If you have scheduled it in your day and you set aside time, you, you know, you know you're going to meet with somebody. You'll do it. Same thing with meditation. Meditation, gratitude practices. If you've scheduled it, you've built it into your um, your time, and you and you you know you you have a consistent way of doing it. You're more likely to do it. Once you make it a habit, true. Make it a habit. Thank you. It takes stumbling for that. Yeah. (laughs) Consistency thing. Oh man, that's my biggest. That's my Achilles heel right there. Yep. I was doing so well on exercise before I got COVID. (laughs) I kind of just (laughs) sucked it right out. I was doing that daily. So. Well, and also having support, right? Like we're more likely to do something if we have a tribe or a community that we can do it with, you know, Uh, same thing with writing. You're more likely to get more writing done if you're in a writing group or a class, uh, or if you're, you know, sharing with somebody, you have an accountability buddy, you're just more likely to get it done. If we try to do things all alone, um, you know, we we, we might just kind of spin in circles, but the, the more likely we, we're more likely to get it done when we have accountability or a tribe. That makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Well, Katie and Jane were kind of, kind of their own uh, writing coaches for a while. They were when you were working on your books together, weren't you? You were pretty much in contact all the time. He's out of touch, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) We're doing it again. No, doesn't know. Later this year, (laughs) we're doing it again. Yes. Are you continuing the same series or are you starting a new one? Starting a new one. Ooh, and, and honestly, any, any... I'm using that as my kick in the pants because I know when I'm in the zone and I have the time and I can write, I can put out the books, but I haven't been in the zone at all. I haven't had the time. My schedule is completely scattered. I need that accountability. And I know Jane, where are you? Right there. Jane <laughs> will bug me. And will email me and will ask me for things. And there'll be that pressure of, I need to make my word count to send it to her before she gets mad at me. So that will kick me in the pants enough to get it done. Hopefully, I can find my groove. (laughs) (laughs) I've got all the time in the world right now, but I just, I don't have a plot right now. I've got, I've got some cool characters that are flowing around, but I don't really have a plot for them. So I'm just reading lots of books and listening to people and hoping that something sparks an idea. But in the meantime, I'm, I'm still doing the, the sewing and I feel like the sewing has been kind of therapeutic for me. It's, it's nice teaching myself. I'm I'm going to attempt to, to sew a dress here the next few days. Although I I got the pattern and I'm like, I don't understand the words on this pattern. There's no YouTube (laughs) tutorial going along with this. What what the heck? (laughs) <laughs> I'm used to the the kind lady showing me in detail everything that's going to happen in the YouTube video, but uh, but no. Well, so I'm, that, a home, I'm a home economics nightmare, so I can't help you. <laughs> uh, 
I just I love that you're sewing too because like I mean it, if you if you're if you don't have a, a plot in mind I mean it's just so good to do things that seduce your muse you know mm -hmm. and that you love that you enjoy that feel creative and just you know like I think Julia, Julia Cameron talks about filling the well and I think that that the more of that we do as creative people the happier we are the the you know the more that creativity will come out later, you know, it's just, we're just beating ourselves. We're taking care of the muse. And I think the muse needs to be seduced and played with. And, uh, you know, and that really helps the writing process. Well, oh, Rebecca's going to have Re a Rebecca. I was just thinking <laughs> Rebecca Jonesy. Yes. Don't even. Because what is she going to say? Oh, oh, she is yeah. a dirty, dirty. Give her an inch and, and she'll take it a mile. Yes. <laughs> Something so we love that about her. She always gives a good laugh. Davina, tell us about your novel sitting back um, behind that side of yeah. you. <laughs> I, got an, I got a cover update. So um, behind barbed eyes. So I worked for 13 years as a psychologist in a women's prison. And, and I started working on this book before Orange is the New Black came out. I should have worked faster, uh, but I had to go through a lot of experiences first to, to like feel safe. And I had to quit before I was ready to publish it. I actually didn't feel safe publishing the book while I still worked there mm -hmm. because part of what I do is I do address some of the uh, issues that go on in women's prison, which is uh, sexual assault by staff. Um, but oh, yeah, but it's... Um, I wanted to write a book that uh, showed the challenges of being a psychologist in a prison where your client is, you're, you're sort of torn between two energies. You're paid by the government, which is actually your client, but you're helping people who are uh, incarcerated. And, um, and you're trying to help them better themselves. But if you want to help somebody get better as a therapist, you have to see the best in them. You have to find something good in them. It can be very challenging to find something good in all people. Some people make it really hard <laughs> to find, you know, something re redeemable. But there, you know, most people have something redeemable in them. Um, but uh, I wanted to write what it was like to try to do your work in a system that wants you to help people, but is pushing against that, 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 that doesn't, um, that's, that they say that they want you to help, but actually your job is just keep people there. Uh, make sure they don't kill themselves, make sure they just get through the process. And um, so you're, you're just dealing with the, these, these tensions and, it's a, it, it wants to be a very black or white environment of good and bad, but it's not. Everything's gray, right? Every, every, everybody's gray. Everybody's has a shadow side and every, and no one is, no human being is perfect. And so kind of creating that, that dynamic tension. And so it's about um, an incarcerated bank robber and a clinical psychologist and how through their work together, they're both changed. They, they, it's a redemption story really for both of them um, and, and shows the challenges though of what it's like to try to do healing work in the prison system. Now, without telling me the, the whole plot, 
mean, mm-hmm. can you tell me how would you classify this book? Is is this like a a drama or a thriller or what? You know, what what would this what type of people would this appeal to? Or what um, I would say it's it, it's uh, more of a drama with thriller elements, um, okay. and and ultimately a, a redemption story. Yeah. Okay. It sounds fascinating. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really does. I mean, I I would. I would love to, I, I would sit with you mm-hmm. and drink coffee and just listen to your stories from back in the old days as, as horrific as some of them might be, because I, I think that would be absolutely fascinating. Some of my, my wife and I are, are documentary junkies and I, uh-huh. I know we've hardly scratched the surface of anything that, that goes on, but just some of the stuff that you, that you learn is like, Whoa, you had no idea that these kind of things actually happen here in our country. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a tough environment. And I wanted to tell a story that respected um, everyone, you know, um, without going into a whole lot of politics. I mean, we're in a time where there's a sense of like, choose, choose a side. And it's like, you can critique what's going on. You don't, it's, it, it's very complicated. But, um, you know, I wanted to to write a story that that reflected that it's, it's just not black or white, you know, it's not, it's, there are, gray issues in prison and we need to we need to help people there are so many mental health issues especially for women i'm going to say that um 50 of women that are incarcerated have experienced childhood sexual abuse or physical abuse or both you know and so you've got a lot of women who have just right out of the gate um had a really crappy life low self-esteem and then they just kind of fall from, they go from one bad choice to the next bad choice, trying to cope with their trauma into the drugs and alcohol. And, you know, other countries look at substance abuse as a health issue and a mental health issue, not an incarceration issue. And, um, you know, so I, I really think there's a lot that can be done there. And we need to, we need to address domestic violence and sexual abuse of, um, you know, girls and boys, because it just leads to, to, to self-hatred, self-loathing, and um, self-destruction as they age. Well, and that's one of considered one of the predictors for future future criminal behavior too. Is you know trauma as a youth and yeah. Wow, wow. I, I mean it. It just. I mean, I hate to sound say it sounds incredible, but it it really does. Not not that it's great subject matter, but um, the the story itself sounds like something that I I would love to read. I'll definitely be uh, be ordering that. Um, do you, do you by chance have autographed, I'm, I'm so bad with this. Do you, do you have signed copies available or do you need to order them from Amazon? Um, I can do, I can send signed copies. Yeah. If if anybody wants to, if you want to just, you know, send, you can find me on my website, davinakatolsky.com, um, or the manaparadigmshift.com, um, where you can get a free chapter of the new book. But also send me um, a message, and I can let you know how to get a signed copy. Yeah, awesome. I know a lot of us love to collect um, signed <laughs> signed books from the from the author. Very it's, kind. Very it, kind. It, it's it's my favorite. I mean, I, I read so much on the uh, on the iPad nowadays. The only books that I buy in paper are ones that have been signed, so so I can oh, add them to my those, my yeah, hoard. Those special. They do. They are special. I've still got yeah. all of your books. In, including the the hardcover that you bought me, 
that you that you brought for me, Katie. Um, and I'm still insanely jealous of the hardcover. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I had my own hardcover because it's so pretty. Uh, they're just such a cool thing to have. They're they're doable as a as a self publisher. They are so doable. Well, uh, speaking of, of self publishing, I did want to ask how you approached getting your work out there. Did you go through a traditional publisher or did you decide that you want to just take it on yourself, have a hundred percent control and go into self-publishing? Great, great question. So uh, the first book I did, um, I did with a traditional publisher. And when I was going to do my second book with them, um, they uh, ran into financial issues and breached contract with me. And I could have waited a uh, couple of, you know, another year or something for the book to come out. Um, but I was in this fantastic coaching program at the time and learned that, um, and I also didn't want the book to sit. It, it was uh, another marriage equality book. And I was like, oh my God, I, this is like the, this is supposed to be the first post prop eight, which was the law that banned uh, same sex marriage in California book to get out there. And if I wait, what I've just written is going to no longer be relevant. So, um, so I, I basically, um, you know, cut contract with that. Yep. And I, and I self-published and I learned a lot about the process. Um, and, uh, I was like, damn, this is, there's some really fantastic aspects of this. Um, there's some things that I don't like, but there's other things that are really wonderful about creative control and, um, you know, how I can sell the book, what I can do. And then, um, this is going to be a very new age woo-woo, but uh, this psychic told me after the, after I moved to Los Angeles, she said, you need to create your own publishing imprint and don't waste your time with traditional publishing anymore. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And I, and you know, I still went to, did some things here and there. Um, but I realized, you know, I need to do that because I don't know if you know about Louise Hay. Do you know, have you heard the story of Louise Hay? She started with a pamphlet and now she's one of the, she's deceased now, but she started um, Hay House Press, which is one of the large spiritual. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So she started in her sixties, the pamphlet. And now it's this, this, you know, internationally known press. And so I was like, you know, I need to listen to that psychic and I need to start my own press. And then I, I can have the creative control that, that I want to have. Um, and I just find that, uh, I'm happier that way. Um, and I've talked to a lot of other writers that still, that are, you know, international best-selling writers and they will say, you know, it's sort of stupid to have an agent in a lot of ways and to go through a traditional press because they take more of your profits and they're only going to promote you for a certain amount of time. And, um, you know, so I kind of agree with that. Now, um, if somebody approaches me and wants to do something, I, I might consider um, taking a book and putting it into their catalog. Uh, but I do like having creative control. And with with um, Lightning, you know, in Ingram Lightning Source, you can get your books and everything. Uh, you can still be at every bookstore if you hustle and in, in a good way and you like to get out there and speak and self promote, I think there's a lot you can do. The thing that people need to do though, is they need to make sure they hire an editor and they need to make sure that their books are good. Cause a lot of self-published books, they don't have the, 
the quality, it's, it's very narcissistic and it's just kind of, you know, feeding their own needs. If you want it to be a good book, you still need to invest and it's expensive. It's an expensive process. You're going to spend money, you know, and you should spend money on improving your writing and, and having other people read your work. And, you know, it's, it's, you still have to do that. You've you've got the nodding gallery going on over here. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> nodding. <laughs> we, Not the first we, time you've heard that advice on this no. show. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I'll I'll tell you what. That's in in the the first book I ever published, and and this this is naughty to even admit this. Be, uh, but my my mother was my editor. Mom mom's a retired English teacher, so she actually mm. knows her stuff. Yeah. Um, now I will say that, that book has sold better than any of my other books. That first book it didn't have a proper editor, but um, I, I did learn um, after that that you you so need to, to hire an editor. And, and Katie is an editor; she knows how much work that is. It's just it's it's a specialized it's a special it, it's it's a skill. Yeah. Um, you need to hire someone else, not yourself, and not your friends. Your friends are great for reading the book and providing you with feedback but yeah invest in that and that real editor it's gonna it's gonna make all the difference right and writing as we know is rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting <laughs> do you guys have um do you do audible do you uh, do audiobooks have you read your Ooh. books or hired <laughs> what's audible i you know Katie, have you ever heard of Audible? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a really hot subject right now. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> AudibleGate. If you are not up on the news, definitely, oh, definitely follow yeah. that. Okay. Um, in fact, we'll be talking about that uh, next week. I'll be doing an update on the uh, Indie News Show. There are a couple of things going on, and uh, I'll share with you where they're at so far. And Colleen has also put out another really interesting post about the breakdown of royalties and what you're actually getting paid and how audible is double dipping before they even pay you. Oh, it's so cool. really interesting. I know that Cause I'm, I'm finishing up the, uh, the audio book here for yeah. this one. Yeah. We, I'll send you the information <laughs> so that you can check it out, but there's a lot going on right now. This has been going on since October of last year. Ah, and uh, yeah. we're there. See, you got to show up on a podcast to, to learn yeah. what's happening is you can't <laughs> hard to write and edit and know everything it, in the business. Yeah, it is. And that's 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 one of the frustrating parts about being in India is you have all this creative control, but then everything else is your responsibility, too. And and how do you keep up with all that? But but yeah, we've had a we've had a couple of episodes about the, the drama with Audible and basically they're they're kind of giving indie authors uh the the shaft uh, so to speak they're they're screwing over wow. indie authors right now and so um but yeah i definitely recommend if katie sends you some information definitely check that out because i didn't have any idea how how serious it actually was but we have a we have a question here from yeah. uh, uh tim Niederreiter. um how deep do you pull source material from your own lives and psychologies how conscious are you of it thanks for the question tim uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, again, I think that, uh, well, first of all, I share personal stories in my nonfiction. Um, and so and basically what I'm doing is I try to share a story of what I've gone through or what my clients have gone through and, and how to use that, how that's shaped, um, why I'm writing the book or why I'm teaching what I'm teaching. 
and why it, it's it's relevant to me, it's relevant to my clients. Um, in Behind Barbed Eyes, I mean, while not all of the experiences are my own, um, certainly some of the conflicts were what motivated me to to write the book in the first place. And also some of the stuff that the that the inmate character experiences, you know, some of my shadow side too, you bet. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and I, I'd like to answer this too, Tim. You know, I know you and I have uh, talked before on, on your podcast, but um, if you read my books, Tim, and I think that you'd enjoy a, a Flutter of Darkness, it's just a bunch of short stories, so it's it's easy to digest. But all of my stuff, you know, I find looking back at it, you know, all of my, my characters, they're all kind of gray, you know, nobody's ne neither really good or bad, you know, and all my plots, there's just this sense of something bad's always going to happen, you know, and I think that really reflects how I've gone through my life with with just this constant fear that, okay, um, you know, I got married yesterday, everything's wonderful, you know, I've got these amazing kids, but all of a sudden there's the, the dark storm cloud, like, but something bad's going to happen. It's constant, 41 freaking years. And and so that's definitely reflected in the writing. I didn't do it on purpose, but I read back through it. I'm like, oh yeah, I got some, I got some issues. <laughs> what about you, Jane? Anything like that for you? I mean, um, I know you murder a lot of people in your spare time, but. <laughs> uh, we all know, because I've said it many times, however aggravated I get at work or however bad a day I have at work is directly reflected in the stories on how many injuries and, and killings happen. <laughs> there is a direct correlation because it is my, my therapy, you know. I can't punch somebody. <laughs> I'm angry. It's just not right. But in my book, my character can. <laughs> you know, it's it's you know vicariously living through through you know fiction in that way. But from my own psychologies, I mean, yes, I worked through a lot of the stuff that that um, happened to me in high school. Mm -hmm. um, and I could see some, now I can see some, you know, common themes in the earlier books that was probably my self-conscious working through some of those hard things that happened. You know, I was not 100% conscious of it as I was writing, but. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think the less conscious mm -hmm. we are of it, I think the more genuine it is when, when it gets read, I don't know, maybe I'm making that up, but it, I mean, it, it feels like if I try to build something into it, it, it comes across as, as contrived. And of course it is contrived, but it just doesn't have that authenticity. What about you, Katie? I, you know, I think we put a lot of ourselves into our story. And so naturally what we're working through or what's going on is going to reflect that. And I certainly can look back on different books that I've written and I can tell the ones that were written during very dark times versus the ones that were written in not so dark times. Um, Jay, you remember the Chronicles of the Uprising. I was going through a lot of issues during that time. And that is probably the darkest book series I've ever written. Still but my then favorite. Again, I love character. <laughs> the character was the opposite of me. She was not afraid to say and do and stick her nose in things she probably shouldn't. So it was like working what I wish I could be through my stories. 
You know what? Well, you know what's funny because it was it was it Mia? Was that her name? Mira. 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 Um, reading that, and it sounds so silly because Mira's a a glad gladiator vampire, but she reminded me so much of my wife Heather. It was unbelievable because Heather is. She is not a woman that anyone will mess with. She is so fierce. I mean, she's, she's the sweetest lady, but everybody knows you don't mess with Heather. And 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 I can see Mira that. Just, I can see that. <laughs> and I well, love Heather. I think she is the sweetest woman out is, there. But I can amazing, see that. But I wouldn't mess with her. <laughs> uh, thank you for the question, Tim. That that was a really good question, and. Uh, and uh, yeah, and Tim's podcast too is, is uh, really great. Live after reading, Ooh. Yeah. Rebecca says yeah. yes. She can see all of us in our work, and yes, we need help. <laughs> but that's why we've got Davina here to give us some help. <laughs> we need to shift our paradigm. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I would imagine this is true again for for you guys as well. That um, writing is my therapy, and if I don't write. I go crazy. Like I just, I have to be writing. I have to be working on something. Um, and that, that's a, a, that my anxiety goes there. My frustration goes there, whatever, you know, extra energy it's focused in on my writing and it makes me feel like something is moving forward in my life that I'm creating something. Um, I have to create, like I can do great work as a, a psychologist, a therapist. That's great. That's, that pays the bills and that helps other people. And I like that, but the writing and the creating, um, whether it's nonfiction or screenplay or whatever, that's sort of my me time. And that's my, my therapy. And like you said, it's a great place to work through issues, to struggle with our own inner demons and to have them work their, their issues out on the paper, you know, have our protagonists work it out or whatever it is. Um, writing allows me to be my best self in a lot of ways. Um, you know, on the day to day, I might have a, a shitty day, but if you read my book, it's like, it's the best, like the man of paradigm, it's the best energy. It's the highest self, right? It's the highest reminder. Um, but I'm human and I'm not going to have every day is not going to be the best day, but I can go back to one of my books and I can also get inspiration from it and it motivates me to, to be better, to feel better. Well, and I think also writing is a way of asserting some type of control over our world. Um, you know, when we, we can't control what happens to us during the day. And even though our writing may be influenced by it, ultimately we, we are, we are the, the captain of that ship and um, to use a, a silly old uh, metaphor, but, but yeah, I, I think it helps to, to have some kind of feeling of control over things and, you know, even yeah. other, other creative endeavors, you know, the, you know, people who make music or different art forms or, or craft or sew, whatever it is, you know, it's, you're, you're trying to assert some kind of control over your environment when you may feel completely lost otherwise. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Your, your point on, if you don't write, you get basically cranky. Mm -hmm. That's why I started writing fiction. <laughs> because for years I was a business analyst writing, you know, technical documents, but I was creating something. I was helping people, you know, understand each other. And then I went into managing BAs and I wasn't writing. Mm. I wasn't creating. And I was going nuts. And I'm like, I can't do this. I need to do something. And my daughter asked, well, what, if you could do anything, what would you do? 
and that was the end of it. And here I am today, <laughs> 50 some books later. Wow, that's fantastic. And only I started in 2007. Yeah. I mean, that's really prolific. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm always awed when I see your website. I'm just like, wow, that is a lot of book covers. <laughs> That's, that's a lot of books. I have more. Rebecca says, uh, "Tit for tat, you guys have seen my soul as well, and other bits." So, if you if you all haven't figured it out, Re Rebecca is she's a publisher and an author. She's a good friend of ours, and she also writes a little bit of naughty stuff. So we we've, we've all maybe seen more she's of Rebecca. One of my favorite beta readers. And she's the sponsor of our show too. Yes. Yes. Yeah. She is. Yes. And she sponsors uh the Unafraid podcast, which I'm yeah. which I'm extremely grateful for. Um, yeah, Rebecca's amazing. Oh, oh yeah, we should do Katie, you should do your thing with where you talk. Right. We since we're talking about her, we might as well give her the plug right now. So Mistress Rebecca Dirty Jonesy, you <laughs> will be entertained by her work, believe me. And she does live readings every Wednesday on her Facebook groups. You definitely want to check those out because she is a fabulous reader and she's got a lot of great stories with a lot of really fun characters. You know, in Rebecca, in a, not to keep talking about the other podcast, but I'm, I'm doing it in a way that I'm talking about Rebecca because Rebecca, I really do appreciate you. <laughs> no, I, to, I used to not talk very much about Unafraid on this show and I typically don't talk about a lot of LGBTQ issues on Facebook in general because I wasn't as out as myself there on Facebook, mostly on Twitter. And But Rebecca and uh, her husband both had listened to the first few episodes and and she got in touch and was like, I really want to sponsor this show. And it it, it was just really heartwarming that, that somebody really cared about the the content I was making and wanted to make sure it kept going for people. And yeah, she's she's a really great sponsor to have. Yeah. Her, her and Joe both. I'm I'm not leaving you out, Joe. I know you're amazing. <laughs> so basically basically Davina J wants you on that show. <laughs> I'd be honored. Thank you. I, I would I would love to have you. You know what? You know what's funny? And okay, I'm going to take up more time now, Katie. Sorry, it's oh, happening. Oh, Davina wanted to say something, and I interrupted. Oh, go, go ahead. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I I was going to say um, because I've talked to my therapist uh, about my show quite a bit, and how I really wanted wanted to have um, you know a, a professional speaker or, or author doctor uh, come on come on to talk. And uh, I was like, well, you know, I, I just haven't met the right person yet. And then so I was reading your info. I was like, oh, could this be it? Could this be That's the, the moment? Time shift. <laughs> so your answered prayers for me and I'm answered prayer for you. That's there we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just going to ask you guys, what what's harder to write, a sex scene? Or, or what, actually, what do you enjoy writing more, a sex scene or a murder scene? Ooh, let me answer first. Let me answer first, Jane. Okay, yes. so I will, I'm like I have to think about that. <laughs> yeah, you, you think about it. Let me, let me answer first. For for me, is I love sex scenes and books and in movies, and I, I I think they're they're wonderful. You know, many people enjoy sex. So, um, however, and and I like having them in my work too. But I have a tough time writing them. Um, you know, because I'll I'll get into writing it, and then I'm like. Okay, but I don't know what I what to do. Am I being too clinical? Am I am I not being trashy enough? Am I not being passionate enough? And then I get all flustered, and I'm like, all right, it's just a fade to black scene. That's that's it. Whereas murders, no problem. I've got that covered. I've read enough horror novels that I can I can do that. 
All right, now that the amateur has gone, you two go ahead and take over. Who's next? <laughs> We're saving prefer, the best for last. I prefer we writing that. fight scenes. That that's my favorite. I really get into writing fight scenes, and you can see my sword back behind me here. I will sometimes practice moves so that I know how to write them too, which makes that, it even yeah. more fun. <laughs> Wait, Do you practice the same ones? That's what What's I was going to ask. <laughs> Do you practice the sex scene ones? No, not... Beat me by two seconds. Sadly, sadly, no. <laughs> That's why she was uh, axe throwing. Yeah. <laughs> she likes both at the same time. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> yes. Which one do I like to write more? Yeah, which one do you like to write more or which ones are harder or whatever? No pun intended. <laughs> um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, Katie's read some of my sex scenes, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously the murder scenes. I don't. Which does she do better, Katie? I think sex. Mm -hmm. <laughs> ah, that's great. Yeah, because you know the murder scenes and the you know the the fight scenes and things like that. Fight scenes are harder for me than than murder or sex. There's a lot of choreographing, right? To imagine yes. how yes. it's done. Yeah. So apparently, I'm good at sex scenes. Thank <laughs> 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 Very good. Wow. Yes. Okay. <laughs> If, if anybody the, the ever whole needs, fairy tale yeah. shorts that you wrote, I couldn't wait to jump on those every time. <laughs> Me or Jane? Jane's. Okay, so I did those too. <laughs> oh, that's right, you did. You both of you did fairy tales. <laughs> well, and if anybody ever needs a course in, um, in in writing sex scenes, let's, let's see if where where do I find Rebecca's banner again? Because I can't remember the the name of of that series here. I think it's Mandy. Yes. Uh, Mandy. Okay. Upper, uh, upper left-hand corner there. I, I thought when she sent these to me, I thought it was, it was like a, like a, like a romance kind of thing, like a steamy romance. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty hardcore stuff. And I was like, Holy crap. And that's what really let me know that, wow, I cannot write these at all. <laughs> I cannot. I'm woefully deficient. <laughs> so anyhow, <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've uh, now that we've gone over that, <laughs> gone over that, I think we're right. about at our time. <laughs> it's a good place. Yeah. To yeah. Yes. <laughs> Happy ending. Happy yeah, ending. Well, sorry. Yeah. sorry. Every time you had to do it, didn't you? You had to do it. <laughs> Could uh, help. Sorry. <laughs> Davina, is there anything else you want to say before we start wrapping stuff up? I, I want to just thank you for, you know, having me on, you know, Spilling Ink tonight. I appreciate it. It's great to be here with you guys to meet you. And um, it was, uh, it was, it was fun. I know I'm a little, probably more of a serious guest because of the subject matter that I, that I deal with, but it was, uh, it was fun to laugh with you. And um, yeah, I just want to remind people they can go to the manaparadigmshift.com and get a uh, download of the free chapter. Um, and they can also get another free chapter of the other book at my davinakatolsky.com. And if they like it, 
you know, great. But yeah, thank you. It's I really appreciate you supporting authors. We we really need to, you know, just just keep supporting one another. And um, and I appreciate that. Amen. Amen. Authors need to support each other. Absolutely. And and thank you so much for coming on the show with us and talking today and, you know, sharing your insights. You are welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you, Katie. I appreciate that. Thanks. And for all of our audience out there, we will have the links in the show notes. So you can check that out after the show and find Davina's work. We will be back again next week, as always, with some new people to introduce you to and some more fun conversation and a little bit of derailing by Jay, right? (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.